Neil, welcome to the Bitcoin Source. Can we start things off by having you introduce yourself to the audience? My name's uh, Neil Galloway. I'm COO for Rebel Mining. I am um, just taken over in that position. I've been mining for about 10 years now, a little over 10 years. Um, I've kind of made my way around the Bitcoin mining space. I've worked for three separate companies now. Um, I've Worked my way up from a, a part-time network technician before I would say this was even called an industry um, about three years ago, and um, I've seen kind of my career trajectory follow the uh, the way Bitcoin did. Um, it's been kind of a crazy rocket ship ever since I, I joined up with Frontier Mining originally. Nice, nice. Thank you for that introduction, Neil. Um, you know, I usually ask people when they come on the show, you know, what inspired them to get into Bitcoin as far as like mentors, books, courses, anything that kind of like got you started early in your, you know, infancy of getting into Bitcoin. So did you, could you kind of break down like a little bit of your, your mining history or like what inspired you to become a Bitcoin miner? Yeah, yeah. So um, I kind of discovered Bitcoin uh, probably around the 2010, 2011 uh, era and that was right after the financial crisis um, you know after a few years of, of dealing with that you, you start to kind of look elsewhere um, you know just like anybody else uh, I, I was in a lot of financial issues then and I was looking for an alternative to all that and um, I discovered it actually on IRC internet relay chat um, it's something it's where file sharing was born. I would also say kind of the Bitcoin community was also born out of this internet relay chat as well. Um, you know, in addition to the, the cypherpunk era with the, the mailing list and things like that. So I was seeing all this, this stuff happen and I couldn't really wrap my head around it at the time. And um, there were no off ramps. So, you know, I kind of followed along. I saw what happened with Mt. Gox. That was kind of the first crazy uh, increase in price. And um, I couldn't believe what what I was seeing so you know that really got my attention and then I remember reading articles about ASIC chips and and that's really where things caught my attention was really from more of a technical perspective and I was trying to understand why there was this um, anti-ASIC movement around and I remember getting into that and I was like you know I'm still kind of new to this but like let me get into it and the first time I bought an ASIC was on eBay and uh, I had a guy from, I was living in Tennessee, and a guy from Georgia drove all the way up from, from Atlanta. It was about four hours. And he bought me lunch, and I bought the S1 for, I think, 120 bucks. And these weren't even profitable by this time. This was like six months after they were released, and I think the S3 had just come out. And I remember sitting down at lunch with him, and he was like, so where are you going to run this thing? And the, the conversation immediately went to power. Right. And as soon as we started talking about power, he was like, well, you know, the, you're not going to make any money. But if you just hold on to the Bitcoin one day, it's going to be worth a lot more. And, you know, that kind of hit me. And I was like, OK, if it's going to be worth more and I'm going to hold on to it, I was like, how do I get more access to it? And he was like, well, do you have free power? And at the time, I was actually running um, a fitness equipment company where we were repairing uh, treadmills. So all of the space that we rented out had to have plugs in it so that we could work on things. And whenever I would leave at night, I would unplug the treadmill and I would plug the, the ASIC in. And, you know, my boss knew what I was doing. He didn't really, he, it was just a hobby. You know, these things used three, 400 watts. It wasn't really a big deal at the time. And eventually I got to the point where I had these things set up all over the place, you know, and 
Uh, it was all above board. I, I let people know what I was doing. Um, they actually ran on Wi-Fi back then. Uh, it was it was really interesting to be able to hook up a Wi-Fi connection to them. And I, I mined my way through 2014, 2015, all the way to 2017. And, um, you know, long story short, I thought that the guys that were buying new miners knew something that I didn't. Right. So um, I went away from buying used miners. And, and the advice that that guy gave me on that trip was uh, don't ever buy a miner that you can't pay off in 90 days. And I mean, I'm, and that's a shocker these days, you know, but it was it was really good advice whenever you think about it, you know. And um, I got away from that. I didn't take his advice anymore. And I, I, I went to Bitmain. Uh, I bought a bunch of S9s and um, L3s. Uh, A3 was kind of popular for Sia coin back then. This was kind of like where, where Luxor had come from. Uh, they were a decred pool at the time. And, you know, I, I was already mining decred. So I was like, well, let me look into this stuff, you know. And I bought all these miners. I set up my first mining farm. Um, and 2018 happened, uh, just like everybody else. Uh, you know, there's there's a few guys uh, that made it through 2018 okay. Um, I I didn't do so well. I decided to pivot my business into a gaming lounge for kids, believe it or not. And um, I kind of took a year off from Bitcoin. I still held my Bitcoin. I still had some miners, you know, and. I was running this gaming lounge and I started teaching uh, middle school kids uh, about Raspberry Pi projects and Bitcoin mining and, and things like that. And that's really where my, my perspective comes from in this industry is it's very much educational and career based. Um, I, a lot of good things have happened to me and everything good that's happened to me has, even in the bad times, has, has come out of me sharing and, and you know, it, it, sharing my experience and my knowledge behind Bitcoin mining. And the more I do that, the more good things happen to me. And I discovered in probably 2019, I, I, I started to dip my toes back in as the price came back up. You know, I bought, I bought some Zcash miners. Um, I was looking for a new start. Uh, I literally quit my job. Um, my, my wife, my wife is an awesome lady. And she, she came to me and she said, you know, you're in a dead end job. You're not happy here anymore. She was like, we should just move across the country. Like, let's do it. You know, I want to go to Colorado. And, and that was her, her thing. So, um, she pulled the, uh, if you don't go, I'm going without you. And I was yeah. like, well, I guess we're going. And, um, as a plan B in 2019, I called frontier mining and, um, put in my resume, uh, me and Arlen had a really good talk. Uh, we, we had, very, very like-minded views on Bitcoin mining and kind of where the industry was headed and, you know, how it needed to, to professionalize itself. And he gave me some anecdotes and some things that had happened to him. And it really, really intrigued me. And um, I eventually got to Colorado. Uh, the, 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 the lead on the job kind of went cold because I had started my own business. And um, that was the same month that the pandemic happened. And after the pandemic happened, uh, that kind of led me to... Um, really into Bitcoin mining even more. And I was looking for hosting and I kept seeing Frontier Mining's name pop up. And then uh, one day I got it, got an email and it was probably May, I think it was. And, um, you know, full, full steam ahead on the pandemic. And they, they emailed me and said, Hey, if you're still interested, we need your help. And I was like, okay, this is a really interesting email. I spoke with Arlen within a week I was in there and you know, it was, everybody was having a really bad time then. So it was like, Hey, uh, 
you know, it's an hourly position. I think you'll be good at it. But, you know, it, it, it was kind of like, we're not going to set the world on fire right now, but we're preparing, you know, and that's, that's the feeling I got from it. And, you know, it, it was a very visionary, like thinking, um, to be able to go and put that much risk on the line and say, I'm going to keep with this business, especially at the time, whenever Bitcoin's three or $4,000. So what we ended up doing was, um, we pulled in all of, uh, all of their client equipment from other sites, um, got it to Colorado Springs. We, we had some space, we racked everything. I think it was like three or four megawatts. Um, many, many late nights sitting in front of switches on the floor. Um, you know, I had a little bit of remote help, but we eventually got everything online. Um, we ended up growing frontier mining from uh, a five, six person company to about a 35 person company at that time. And then, um, that's whenever frontier, uh, that's whenever compass mining came along and, uh, I, I ended up working for them as a director of mining operations for the last year and a half. Um, had a lot of ups and downs, uh, dealt with a, a crazy, crazy emerging industry that just, you know, business wasn't ready for what Bitcoin had in store. And, and we, we, we went through all that and, uh, you know, over the last, over the last couple months, um, I've been inundated with conversations about the energy industry. And I really started looking around at things and that's whenever, uh, I found rebel mining and rebel is very into building infrastructure. They understand the real estate. They have a very good ops team and, and it kind of brought me back to my roots and that's kind of where we're at now. I, I decided that, you know, I really want to be invested in the underlying infrastructure that powers Bitcoin because I truly believe the next evolution in Bitcoin mining is going to be this, this hosting model because you can only get so many Bitcoin miners at your home. Right. And, you know, as, as, as antithetical as ASICs may be to the Bitcoin network, you know, it's the next natural evolution as well. And, you know, it's here to stay. So we have to find a way to decentralize this hash rate. We have to find a way to, to work with the, the hand that we've been dealt. And I, I really believe that that's from an energy and an infrastructure perspective at this point. Yeah, and that, there's a lot to unpack there, Neil. And I appreciate you kind of, you know, giving an, an explanation of like what drives you, like what's your passion for mining, doing my research on you. And I was like, man, this guy's done so much in the space. Like, um, from logistics warehouses to ASIC repair services, training centers. And I'm like telling my wife, like, what do I ask this guy about mining? Like, there's so many things I want to pick his brain on. And, you know, the hosting model that you mentioned, like that just gave me an idea. Like, I know someone that was kind of prominent in the industry that kind of got burnt by doing this offshore Bitcoin mining where, and I'm sure you're familiar with it, where they'll have like, a facility in Iceland or something. And they'll say like, Hey, you pay this amount, you have your own miner, we monitor it, we give you feedback. And then like long story short, it ended up just, you know, being kind of like a scam. So, um, when you were talking about energy and hosting, I kind of want you to like break down to the audience the benefits of having, um, hosting sites and how the mining industry is actually really going to change the way Bitcoin is and don't fall into the hands of FUD or uh, disinformation with the media. Yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of that um, goes hand in hand with the conversation about infrastructure and, and owning your own infrastructure. Um, you know, a, a good analogy that I like to use is um, anybody that grew up on Windows uh, before it was Windows and they went from DOS 
to Windows 3.1 to Windows 95, and then all of a sudden we got these pretty pictures, right? And everybody kind of knows where we went from there. Those guys that kind of grew up on DOS, command line was normal for them, right? And that's that's how I would I, I would compare that very much to the the Bitcoin industry. But what took 20 years there probably only took like three or four years here to really happen, you know? So like whenever it comes down to it, it's really one of those things that you have to you have to keep in in perspective that um, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face, right? And that's kind of like where we're at with Bitcoin, right? And and Bitcoin is at a stage where um, I think we can focus on how it affects people, and and that's a very like career based model, right? So whenever you talk about all of these, um, whenever you talk about all these things like uh, logistics and and training centers and things like that, it, it's that's where the roots are. That that's where all this comes from. So you know the guy that was mining on an, on on his computer and then went to uh, GPU and then w eventually went to that ASIC. He has um, he has a different perspective than the guy who jumps in and, and gets into a hosting model, right? And and what we see now is what we see now is the guys who stuck with it and they kind of carried through and they everybody's been burned, they, you know, everybody's been burned. But but the people that stuck with it and kind of made through, made it through there and they they didn't bite off more than they could chew. Um, the best advice I could ever give on hosting is. Um, make sure that you can afford your electric bill, even whenever the price of Bitcoin is down, right? You, the, the goal here is to not cash your Bitcoin in to pay your bills. It's to, to accumulate Bitcoin, right? So, so that's kind of what, what we get into with the, this hosting model. The people that were mining themselves and then they got to see that evolution, those people are a lot more comfortable with hosting than somebody who's just now getting into it, right? So what we have to do is to, to get over the FUD and things like that, um, what we really have to do is we, we have to kind of take a look at who owns the infrastructure, um, you know, who, who owns the power. You know, there's only so much power on the substation. There's, a, there's only so much land next to the substation. You know, there, who, who's really putting the feeder lines going from the substation into the site and, and setting up the containers and hooking everything up? You know, those are the guys that you want to host with. Those are the guys that they're going to take care of your equipment just like it's theirs because they put their time, their money, and their, their hard-earned dollar into an investment that's, you know, Bitcoin ROIs, people freak out about two years. The infrastructure for a site, I mean, we're, we're looking at two, four, five years on, on just the container, you know? So whenever we talk about the power infrastructure and how much people are putting into this, that's a real long-term commitment. And, I, and that's what I'd like to say to anybody who's interested in hosting. It's a long-term commitment. It's not a six-month plan. It's not a one-year plan. You know, it's a three, a four, a five-year plan because you have to work with those market cycles. Now, that being said, um, operational quality is very important. And I believe that that's probably the next big thing that we're going to see in the evolution of hosting right now is we're going to watch the... We're going to watch the operational quality skyrocket because this bear market is weeding out all of those bad actors, all of the hosts that that you know we saw we saw on Twitter, we saw we saw all this this these bad things happening in the news that kind of gave a black eye not just on on mining but on on Bitcoin in general, right? Well, 
luckily that's what bear markets do is they weed that out and the the real believers who, who truly believe in bitcoin and believe in the, in their own bitcoin future they're they're going to invest in the infrastructure and they're going to be here having after having cycle after cycle and and i truly believe that's something that we're we're learning from the energy industry and the oil and gas industry right now you know you know that explanation just makes perfect sense and for the people out there that don't really understand hosting or mining i think that neil is a perfect example of someone that has just literally become an expert in this space and you know i also wanted to congratulate you neil for your you know your new coo role and and I just think that that's super awesome, especially all the work you've put in and all the you know pain that you've had to kind of endure learning the mining and the Bitcoin mining process. But I wanted to ask you about, you know, especially right now, we have hash rate at all time highs. And, you know, I think a lot of public miners are definitely outperforming a lot of other stocks on the equity market. You know, everybody's talking about this in the industry right now. And my question to you is, is that, do you think that the high hash rate that we're seeing, is that going to squeeze out a lot of small mining operations and kind of bolster in more of the big industry players? So the smaller people on the smaller scale of mining might end up just kind of getting blown out and have to just, you know, um, dissolve themselves into a bigger operation. Yeah. Yeah. So people that know me would probably say that I have some really interesting hot takes on this, you know? Um, but just to kind of keep it at, at a, a mining level, I would say that, um, the Bitcoin mining public companies, the ones that have come out of who have come out of this bear market and they understand that they're not playing a, a quarterly game and they're not playing like a, a yearly earning game, that those are the guys that are winning, right? Like they, they understand that um, this is a, a long-term play, like I said, you know, it's, it's that same thing. So I would say the same thing for, for the, the smaller miners, um, especially those guys that are, you know, under 100 units, uh, you know, one to 50 units. Those guys, they're in a, a much longer longer term game than somebody who has to, um, please their investors, please shareholders, things like that, right? So they can play kind of a different game than the publicly traded companies do. That being said, whenever the whenever the difficulty increases, it's tough on everybody. But um, there's a principle that Satoshi talks about where um, the, the cost of Bitcoin, the price of Bitcoin will never fall under the price of production. Because if it does, then that means people will turn miners off the difficulty will decrease and then people will jump back onto the network, right? That's that that's that extra incentive to get people in there. So as the as the extra incentive comes in, that means that the the unprofitable miners can turn back on. I believe what we're seeing right now is we're we're kind of seeing a, a pivotal time in Bitcoin where the energy industry, um, large scale miners um, they're, they're very reliant on their hosting partners to get things online. And if they pick the right hosting partners, then yeah, they're going to be around for a long time. And, and I do believe it's a good investment, but I don't believe that you get the same access to Bitcoin by investing in a stock as you would as, you know, running a miner, whether it be hosting a miner or, or running a miner at home. And I, even if you are hosting, I believe everybody should run a miner at home just so they can get access and understand what these guys are, are dealing with. You know, it's, it's not an easy thing. 
most definitely. And it's a lot of heat. It's a lot of energy costs. Um, if things break, you got to know how to repair it or find a technician to repair it. So, you know, I, I think that a lot of those processes, cause I think people get into Bitcoin mining and they just kind of think like, you know, their miner is going to solve, you know, that algorithm, the first try, and they're just going to get that, you know, 6.25 Bitcoin. You know, people have these like ideas, like, oh, as soon as I plug mine in, like I'm going to win. And it's like, no, it's, it's a lot, a lot of work and a difficult process for on that machine to actually figure that out. And, uh, I really wanted to like dig into, you know, your expertise on something else, which is just like individual particular miners. Um, if you, you know, have any thoughts on this, but you know, there's a new miner out or a relatively new miner out called the ant miner, um, S 19 XP. And it's supposed to be like, you know, the, the new hotshot air cooled miner in the industry for people that like want to, you know, mine at their house. Like, I want to hear like your thoughts on it. Like, do you think it's like the most proficient one that's out now, or do you think it probably has a lot of underlying issues that people may not be aware of? That's, um, that's a pretty loaded question, Dadu. <laughs> you know, um, here, here's what I'll say. If we're just talking about air cold miners, yeah, it's probably the best thing that's out there. You know, um, obviously it, you can't really talk about the XP without talking about the XP hydro. Um, the XP hydro, I think it was somewhere upwards of 240 terahash at 5,000 something watts. I mean, the, the numbers that they're getting out of these things right now are, are ridiculous efficiency. And, um, it's only going to get better as uh, emergent technology improves and as hydro technology improves. Um, I think that uh, a really, I, th I think that air-cooled mining is still going to be around for a while. Um, I have seen a few comments on LinkedIn from 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 my colleagues saying that uh, air-cooled mining is a thing of the past, and I just I can't agree with that at this point because you know no matter what you, you're still going to have those guys at home that are going to be running those air-cooled miners, or they're not going to want to pay for the capex on the infrastructure to build out an immersion system. You know, so it is it's just easier access. And, and that's kind of what Bitcoin mining is, is all about, right? Like we want to lower the barrier to entry. Um, now, as far as specs and things like that go, uh, the, the S19 XP, one of the interesting things that I noticed about it whenever we first cranked those things up was that they tend to run hotter. Um, the fans run all out very quickly. Um, so I think a lot of that's from the, uh, the chips on the board are probably a little bit closer together. They run a little bit higher heat, but if you, if you're good at dealing with the heat, then yeah, I would say that the S19 XP is probably the way to go as far as specs and efficiency go. Um, the advice that I like to give people is to not count the what's minor out because where the S19 XP makes up efficiency, it kind of lacks in um, overheating protection. Whereas the what's minor, even though you might not have the same amount of efficiency uh, on the nameplate, um, it will run through the heat of the summer a lot better than that, that S19 XP will. Um, so that being said, if you're hosting in Texas, let's say, and it's a hundred degree day, there's a pretty good chance that your S19 is gonna cut out before that what's minor is gonna cut out. Thank you for that advice. Um, you know, I've been looking, dibbling and dabbling just myself into like, you know, just to see if I can get a miner and see if it would actually make sense for me to just start mining. And, you know, you've kind of given me some conviction of saying like, even if you have a, a sourcing model or you even have like an outsourcing model where you have a bunch of rigs, um, it's still beneficial to at least have one miner in your own home so you can really understand the schematics. Yeah. And even for me, like, 
I'm kind of like a tinkerer in a sense, a little bit of a nerd. And like, I've always been interested, you know, interested in kind of the repair technician side of mining as well too, like soldering, replacing fans, you know, replacing chips. Like, I think that that's an industry that's going to be very needed in the future. So people that are interested in that stuff, I think that they should definitely look into, um, you know, the repair or the technician side of mining a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, that actually kind of has a special place in my heart. So, um, that's, that's really where I come from in the Bitcoin industry is in, in the repair and parts, um, specifically PCBs, uh, printed circuit boards. The, the PCB is, um, the hash board, right? So the hash board has all these chips all over it. That, that printed circuit board is just, it's old industrial technology. You know, this, this technology has been around for, for, you know, 30 years now, but whenever it all comes down to it, it's, we've never put this many chips on a board before and we've never like, you know, had to handle heat in the way that we're having to handle it right now. So if you want really hands-on experience and you really want to get into this industry, bar none, I would say the best way to do it is ASIC minor repair or, um, site operations. You know, um, both of those are, are di two different kinds of roles. Um, you'll get two different kinds of people that want to sit in front of a, a soldering iron all day with a, a microscope and somebody might might be more prone to, to running in a container and, and plugging into the network and rebooting a bunch of miners and, and sorting out the diagnostics on that end. Um, I do believe that's two different roles and um, I think that gets missed a lot in this industry. Uh, a lot of people just deploy miners and they hire the site ops guy but then they don't think about, well, how am I going to get these PCB boards repaired? Because these are very unique machines. You know, the, the hash board is the whole machine. They don't, they don't make spare hash boards for you to buy and replace. So if the chip burns up on that board and that board's dead, either you run on two boards or you have to get, get the machine repaired if, if it's repairable. Um, yeah. and, and all that, that said, I think that that's where, where a lot of the entry level positions come from in this in this industry and and a lot of people don't think about that side of it until very recently and this is my last question for you neil kind of to expound on what we were just talking about um like what would you recommend for people would you recommend for people to just go and get like a refurbished miner or a broken miner and see if they can repair it or do you mm -hmm. actually like recommend like a technical technician mining school that people could go to to actually learn these skills you know, there's, there's, I, I'm seeing uh, these academies pop up. There, there's classes, there's courses. Here's what I'll say. Those things are great if you just want to get kind of the fire hose and like dive into things. Um, there's a lot of people in this industry that'll tell you, you know, hey, you should just do it like I did it, you know, go and buy you an S9 and hook it up. It doesn't matter if it's profitable or not. You just kind of got to play with the tuning. You know, there's, um, uh, there's, there's, firmware that you can put on these machines and you can run them at a really low wattage and play around with them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Bitcoin and I, I will always say that, uh, we should be Bitcoin first. But, um, that being said, there's, there's other types of, of ASICs out there too, that can get you some, um, entry level experience into the electronics side of it. Uh, the, the first one that comes to mind is the Z9 mini, you know, um, I'm sure they're they're next to nothing on eBay right now, but those are great little machines that, you know, you plug in an APW3 power supply to them. It has a control board. It has some hash boards in it with some ASIC chips on it. Take it apart. Put it back together. You know, see how it goes. Um, and then uh, 
you know, not to plug anybody, but something I've, I've been enjoying a lot lately is uh, I have a, a small FutureBit machine. Um, FutureBit is, uh, you can run a node and it's also a Bitcoin miner in one. Um, you know, you're, you're not gonna get rich running it, but it's a great learning experience. And, and whenever whenever you see this thing, it's, it's great to understand that, oh, my operating system only runs off of the SD card and then my blockchain is gonna be stored on this one terabyte NVMe drive. You know, those are those are the things that where people have epiphanies and they're like, I, it clicks, I get it now. This is why it's worth something, you know? So I, I would I would definitely uh, I would definitely plug the, the future bit machines. Um, Ronin Dojo also has a machine out there that, that anybody can grab. But whenever it comes to it, down to it, I think everybody should try to get access to a little bit of Bitcoin mining just so they understand that process. Yes, I agree 100% with that, Neil. And uh, thank you for this Bitcoin conversation. It's been awesome. Before you leave, could you let people know your social media handles and any future endeavors you might want the world to know about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. You can find me pretty easily on LinkedIn. Um, I'm Bitcoin Neil on Twitter. Uh, feel free to reach out anytime. Um, and if you... Uh, if you want to get me on uh, email, it's Neil at Rebel Mining. Um, I'm sorry, Neil at RebelMines.io. Um, I'll be happy to, to to talk to anybody about mining, whatever it all comes down to it, man. Um, really looking forward to to seeing what what the Bitcoin community has in store. Most definitely, Neil. And I, I definitely look forward to seeing what you're going to do at Rebel Mining. Um, I know that you have a, a great skill set and you're going to do great at this position. So I'm super excited for you. Uh, oh, once thank again, you. thank you. Thank you for being on the Bitcoin source. Have a good one. Absolutely. Thank you, man. Appreciate it.